Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 112, being recorded on Wednesday, January 3rd, 2018. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Happy New Year, Jason, and Happy New Year to Jason and Scott Show listeners. Welcome to our first show recorded in 2018. It's very cool. I'm uh, excited to start the new year. I feel like it's going to be a, another um, action-packed one in our in our genre. Yeah, that's the fun thing about retail. I feel like we could do a daily podcast. Uh, weekly is even hard to catch all the news that's going on. That is true, but then I feel like there's a lot of fans begging me not to do any more than I already do. Yeah, yeah. But that <laughs> might just be me and not you. <laughs> cool. Um, so long-time listeners will know that it is a regular feature of our show that the first episode of January is our annual prediction show. So this is uh, this will make our third uh, shot at this, Jason. I don't know if you're keeping track or not. Um, so uh, pretty exciting. So let's kick it off by looking at last year's predictions and seeing how we did. Uh, Jason, let's start with you. This is the part of the show I hate. Yep. Uh, so if listeners really, really want to learn more about these things, you can go back to episode 64. That was last year's preview show. Uh, and you can listen to that and see how we did in 16 compared to 17. And you can hear the 17 predictions. Uh, you don't have to do that, though. We're going to summarize them for you here. But if you really are curious about anything we bring up and want more color, you can go back to episode 64. Okay, Jason, last year uh, – and the way we did this is we had five predictions and a bonus, so effectively six predictions. So let's go through them. Last year, your top prediction was uh, that retailers will truly embrace omnichannel, and you talked about attribution, inventory, promotions, and pricing. How do you feel uh, that prediction did through 2017? Yeah, uh, so I generally feel good about that prediction. I'm calling that one a win. Uh, there are a bunch of things that happened uh, last year that were probably hard for people to observe, um, but but most retailers did get more sophisticated about their omni-channel attribution models. Uh, we saw a ton of retailers move to universal inventory. Uh, we saw a lot more universal pricing. And then some of the, the highly visible things we saw were like Target made two major acquisitions in Shipped and Grand Junction to improve their omni-channel um, Walmart rolled out a ton of omni-channel initiatives with the pickup towers and the express returns and discounted ship to store. Uh, Kroger and Costco both rolled out curbside pickup. So I think across the board, um, I'm I'm giving that one a, a true. Yeah, but when I go to Best Buy, they still can't look up my rewards number. And if I do an online order, they have no idea what happened at the cash register. It drives me crazy. But I'll, I'll still give you this one. I'm just pointing out. I, I think there are still lot, lots of gaps, but I, I would argue in your specific example, that's less uh, not embracing omni-channel because I, I would argue Best Buy does embrace quite a bit of omni-channel. It's, uh, they, they, uh, all retailers still have a ton of data silos regardless of channel. And so in your point, like rewards just aren't well integrated to the store, and that's a shame. Yeah. Well, for me, true omni-channel is 
breaking out of those data silos. I, I want to live in your happy world. I do. <laughs> cool. Well, all right. So, so far that's a uh, one win and zero losses. Yeah. Feel free to stop uh, here if we want. <laughs> and that's it. Well, unfortunately we've, we've wasted another five minutes of your time. Uh, but seriously, your second prediction was AI uh, calling for bots for customer service, but not transactions. Lots of buzz on big data and AI, but no game-changing new experiences. Yeah. Uh, so even though I kind of moderated the prediction by saying more buzz than game-changing experiences, I'm still giving myself a false on this one because I, I think there, uh, there was even uh, more hype and less tangible stuff uh, than I was predicting. So I think, you know, right out of the gate um, – there were some new chat services and there was a lot of hype about new customer service offerings on those chat services, but they were universally stupid and none of them got embraced by customers. And, you know, after that initial hype, I, I just don't think we saw a lot of a lot of traction. So I'm giving the whole the whole uh, bots thing in 2017 uh, uh, did not happen. Yeah, even Facebook seems to not be talking about it as much and didn't one of their big partners kind of shut down the bot. Was it 800 flowers or Everlane or one of those, like one of the launch partners kind of said, yeah, we're, we're not going to really be doing this anymore. Yeah. I think that was Everlane. Uh, 800 flowers is, uh, famous or notorious for being one of the first adopters of everything. And so it's almost, it's, it's not predictive of something being successful. The fact that 800 flowers is one, uh, embraces it because they, <laughs> they like to be a first mover. Yeah, I thought it was interesting someone shut it off, though. Yeah, so was, no, absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of like, wow, this is like, it's either hard to maintain or, or, you know, it's actually a bad customer experience or something. I don't know. Okay, third is one of your favorite topics, personalization. Um, so you said to eliminate friction but not really drive new demand, data integration, not some new product or touch point. I don't know what any of that means, so maybe recap what you were thinking there. <laughs> yeah, so I hate talking about personalization because – it's a amorphous sort of thing. Um, and so what, what I said, what I tried to say in the prediction was that I think we're going to see a lot of better personalization, but that doesn't equal like some magic new widget on the web website. That's just dramatically more personalized than the old widget. Um, the, the, uh, what I was really expecting to see is retailers merge a lot of their siloed data to provide, more seamless experiences and eliminate friction across the board. And you unfortunately already alluded to a perfect example of that not happening um, that you, you went into Best Buy and they couldn't, couldn't figure out your, your membership rewards um, status uh, with Best Buy. And that's because all those, those systems are siloed at Best Buy. Um, And so in my mind, I, my prediction was that a lot of those silos would get eliminated in 2017 and, well, I could point to a couple of uh, retailers that have made some progress in eliminating those silos. I still think there's a ton of silos. And I think we all, as shoppers, put up with a lot of ridiculous friction that we don't even realize um, because of how, how retailers have organized their their systems and their data. And I, I just don't think we made uh, near as much progress as I optimistically hoped for 2017. So I'm I'm giving myself a fail on this one as well. All right, so that's one win, two fails. Your fourth prediction, uh, this was a good one, laggard categories will discover digital. And you mentioned grocery, luxury, and quick-serve restaurants. Yep. 
Uh, and I feel like uh, this one's going to get me back to even. I, I gave this prediction a true. Um, for those of you that follow the grocery category, you may have heard that Amazon made an acquisition in the space in uh, Whole Foods. So that was certainly uh, a, a grocery retailer discovering digital. We also saw huge investments from Kroger and, and Walmart and grocery. Um, the QSR is a, a quick serve restaurants. Um and they all embraced digital in a big way in 2017. So both McDonald's and Taco Bell rolled out uh, uh, Order Ahead. Of course, the the leader uh, far before last year, and in, in this was Starbucks. But most of the traditional QSRs, um, you know, played significant catch up in 2017. Um, and then also a lot of the luxury brands got more serious about digital. For a long time, they they overtly said that. Uh, digital was eroding to their their brands and that they they wanted the experience to be in the dressing room and not online. And, you know, all of those old uh, luxury houses that used to say that launched direct-to-consumer e-commerce sites in 2017. Um, uh, you know, some of them even started started uh, uh, toe-dipping on some of the, the marketplaces. And, and so, I, again, you know, I think across the board – uh, grocery, luxury, and QSR were, were three categories that made big strides forward in digital in 2017. So I, I call that true. Uh, I agree. The, even better than the order head at McDonald's, have you had one of the um, the touchscreen kind of order things? Those are pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love that. Yeah, and Less again, that's on like your order. queue management. Uh, you and I uh, had a couple dialogues on, on uh, Twitter about some of the bad queue management in traditional retail uh, it seems like you've had a lot of bad physical retail experiences lately, um, and yeah, those those kiosks are all part of the wait time management system at at, at McDonald's, which is very clever. Cool. Um, all right, so let's see. We are at two and two now, and so your fifth prediction was extremely retail geeky uh, microservices. Fifty percent of new platform implementations will be cloud, and microservice based solutions will start to emerge. Yep. And so for those of you that that aren't uh, super retail geeky, like this is the notion that most people that run an e-commerce site own the software and run it on a server that they own, like either on their their services or in a data center that they rent. Um, And so this this prediction was really that like half of all the new platforms would instead be in the cloud. So, you know, Amazon Web Services or Google Cloud Platform or Microsoft Azure um, and that most of them, instead of being this big monolithic piece of software, would be these newer platforms that are kind of a collection of little APIs or little services um, that you can almost think of as Legos that you snap together to create your experiences. And uh, I, I think these are both super important trends. If you talk to the CIO uh, at any retailer, like they're, they're the trends that they're following and it's what they hope to ad- embrace in the future. Um but in 2017, it all amounted to uh, more talk than action. So we we actually didn't see a lot of replatforming in 2017. In fact, in many ways, I'd say it was one of the slowest years in the last five years in replatforming. So it's hard to call this trend a complete win when there just weren't that many new platforms. Um, it is true that of the new platforms, the overwhelming majority were on the cloud. Um, so... I kind of give myself credit for that. Um, there were retailers like Nordstrom that was on on uh, this podcast last year, and they talked about migrating everything from an on-prem solution to a 
cloud-based solution. Uh, we we've had uh, Billy May on the on the show, who now run is the CEO at Sur La Tabla, and they're in the process of moving to a, a cloud-based solution. But there just weren't a ton of replatformings, and the microservice-based architectures, while everyone loves talking about them. They had fewer wins uh, in 2017 than I anticipated. So I kind of gave myself uh, half credit on this one. Cloud, yes. Microservices, no. Yeah, I think I learned uh, from last year to be less verbose in my my predictions. <laughs> Gives you more chances to be wrong. <laughs> yes. <there>. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so then your bonus was around payments, another one of your favorite topics. And you said – uh, kind of on the topic of digital wallets, that something other than PayPal, Amazon will achieve 10% of U.S. e-commerce transactions, uh, excluding Amazon, potentially a mix of vendors uh, such as Chase, Walmart, Apple Pay, um, Apple Pay on Safari, um, or the W3C web payment standards could gain traction. So give us an update on, on how you did on that one. Yeah. So that one would be a mixed one. That's another example of uh, not writing very smart predictions. Um, it turns out I don't have a way to measure whether we hit, we hit 10% based on my criteria or not. So I, I can't specifically say that we did. Um, I will say like uh, that Walmart Pay actually got more traction and buzz than I certainly was expecting. Um, but, of course, nowhere near 10% of all non-Amazon uh, transactions. Um, and then the one that, that I haven't seen any data about consumer adoption on – but has gotten a lot of adoption with e-commerce platforms supporting it is is the thing I referenced there, the W3C web payment standard. And so um, just as a, a super quick uh, recap for listeners, uh, this is a, a new standard for typing your credit card into a web browser. It's an open standard that's embraced by the, the, the standards community that publish HTML. Um, it's now been implemented by Google. So it's in all the Chrome browsers. Um, it, uh, is in the Microsoft browser. Uh, it's, it's not in the Apple browser yet. Um, but it makes it dramatically easier to store your credit card on your local machine and safely automatically enter it in, in, uh, websites when you make payments. And so, uh, Again, like all the Shopify sites support it, all the Demandware sites support it. Uh, a lot of the big e-commerce sites um, have added support for it. So on the one hand, more than 10% of the top 500 websites probably support it. Um, but we don't know yet whether whether consumers are leveraging it or not. So uh, it was the bonus, so maybe the score doesn't matter, but it definitely felt like a, a poorly worded uh, prediction and you know mixed results. Yeah, I would. I wonder if do you think that um, Stripe and Braintree have gotten over ten percent because they're doing the majority of mobile payments, right? They are, but I, I'm not oh, sure. I consider Stripe or Braintree a wallet. Yeah. Um, so as a payment processor, like they're they're like Stripe in particular is killing it on the long tail. Um, Braintree is a little more focused on the mid market or enterprise companies, and that you know there's some. Uh, uh, Visa owns a, a company called CyberSource, which does great on the on the enterprise side. Um, and they they all have big market share, but they what they don't let you do is store your credit card once and then leverage it across multiple sites that you shop. And so they don't like 
uh, remove a ton of friction from the e-commerce experience because they let you reuse your payment information over and over again. Yeah. One, one aside, uh, I know you know this, but Apple Pay rolled out their cash piece and they have been pushing it super hard. I can't, you know, my, my phone alerts me every five seconds that I need to set up Apple Pay now. And I've actually, this kind of a sad story, I've given up on Apple Pay because I've had to set it up so many times between my watch and OS installations. I kind of finally gave up on it. The 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 juice wasn't worth the squeeze on that one. But it's interesting that now that I'm out of it, that it really suddenly aggressively wants me to set it up. So they must, Apple kind of has woken up on the Apple Pay side. Yeah, like my my like brief editorial on that, like that they have a very good experience uh, under certain circumstances, um, and they're they're doing a good job of expanding those circumstances. So this year they launched the ability to to use Apple Pay in a browser, which was a huge deal. And in late in the year, they launched the ability to do peer to peer payments with Apple Pay, and that's potentially a huge deal. But the problem, the fundamental problem with Apple Pay is you know, at best, it only works for the subset of the world that are that are in the Apple ecosystem. Um, and some of these payment things require even a much narrower subset, like only on the latest hardware that has a particular chip in it, or only on the very latest version of the operating system and the latest version of the Safari browser. Um, and so it just it I, it's not Apple's goal to be a a world dominant ubiquitous payment system, right? Like it, it really is just a utility for, for Apple users. And I think that that limits its, its broad appeal. Cool. So uh, just kind of keeping score there. I think you got a solid two to three out of your six predictions. So we'll, we'll give you kind of a 50%. Yeah. And that was basically my performance in college. So I'm, I'm okay with it. I thought you were going to say baseball, baseball, you'd be a hero. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be a much better hitter than I was a student. All right, Scott. Uh, you, I think of as much more cerebral than me. So let's see how you did. <laughs> okay. I like setting the 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 table high. You're super smart, and you're always like really, really prescient about your predictions. So I'm sure you nailed it. Um, I think your first prediction uh, was about the IPO markets, um, and that uh, there was going to be a lot more action in the IPO market in 2017. But the e-commerce companies. Um, might get crowded out of the space as these big Uber, Snap, Pinterest, Airbnb, Spotify's, and the like um, all do their IPOs. Side note: Did I hear a rumor that Spotify maybe missed 2017 and just just filed this year? I know why. Why could they not do it earlier? I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then Uber has announced. I think Uber would have filed if they didn't have to go through their their poop show that they're involved in right now that with the new CNL. and all. Um, but anyway, yeah, snap made it out and, uh, you know, then actually did pretty poorly and effectively closed the IPO window for the big guys. And then they all had their own issues. So, uh, I mentioned Uber kind of imploded on some things there. I don't, I, I think Airbnb is, is probably a great candidate for next year. Um, Pinterest, I, I don't know where they are on their revenue. They've changed their chief revenue people a lot, which makes me nervous. Uh, and then as you mentioned, Spotify has filed the, um, you know, kind of the thing I got wrong here is stitch fix made it out. We talked about it a lot on the show. I'm, I'm super happy for them. Uh, a, another one that was frequently mentioned as a possible IPO candidate was chewy and they got acquired. Uh, and then Casper has always been kind of, uh, out there as has dollar shave club, dollar shave club got acquired also. Um, so, you know, I think the IPOs to watch for next year in the e-commerce world are going to be Casper uh, and then some, watching some of these big guys and how they perform. 
So uh, it's worded – the wording on this one makes it hard to know. So the window did open, so I get credit for that. But I was kind of wrong on the mix of companies that got out. So I gave my kind of myself half credit on that one. That seems fair. Um, so your second prediction uh, was one we talk about a lot on the show – Amazon will start to chip away at uh, FedEx and UPS um, for logistics services in the U.S. Um, and uh, you you convolutedly made it a 2018 prediction. You said, hey, in 2018, Amazon could even expand into peer-to-peer and uh, reverse logistics. Yeah, the, I'm going to give myself a fail on this one. Um, when we talk about new predictions, I want to talk about it again. But, um, you know, what, one of the things that, the the trend that and we talked about on the show, but I, I think it's good to summarize it here. Uh, the amount of consumers that want things delivered to them is outpacing the investment that FedEx and UPS are making, um, and also USPS. So there, something has to give, and at some point, Amazon being the largest, I, I'm fully kind of committed that they're going to build their own capability. They already do with Flex. And what they what happened in 2017 is Flex was started, uh, and Flex is an Uber-like delivery system, meaning 1099 drivers. Uh, they have an app. Amazon signals to them, and then they come and make deliveries. They started this for Prime Now, and increasingly through 2017, we saw Amazon using Flex, the driver system, for just normal deliveries as well. Um, and even in the holiday, I, I heard a lot of reports of um, – a mixture, so flex, and then actually fulfillment center employees doing deliveries and all kinds of things. So I, I think you know, I think some of this happened behind the scenes, but it wasn't kind of to the degree I was thinking in this year. So it, something's got to give. So we'll see. So I'll, I'll give myself a fail this year on this one. Okay, uh, tough grader, but I like it. Um, your third prediction was about machine learning, and you you said that was going to be the new network effect. Um, that everyone's starting to recognize the power and competitive moats that are available for machine learning, and it's going to be a big theme. Uh, every vendor you work with, from carts to images uh, to recommendations engines, you know, search engines, are all going to have to have machine learning capability uh, to stay current and and keep keep their customers competitive. Yeah, uh, again, I should have been less uh, wordy on that one, but. Um, I'm going to say when you when you look at kind of the cloud vendors out there, so I'll I'll say Amazon for sure is all in on machine learning um, as part of their cloud uh, conference, which is called AWS Reinvent. Uh, it was all machine learning all the time. Pretty much most of the new innovations they talked about, or there's multiple tracks, but the biggest track was machine learning. Uh, Google this year at their annual conference, they they kind of said we went from um, you know, search first to mobile first to machine learning first, and they they're putting you know all their resources into AI and machine learning. Um, and then if we if we kind of look at the the e-commerce vendors, you can't throw a stick at any of these trade shows without hitting a machine learning or AI vendor. So everyone uh, that I run into, every vendor is now fully. It's probably even. Uh, a little bit bubbly, you know, so so uh, it seems hard that all this can live up to the hype at this point. Um, but, you know, when I look at the platform guys, and you certainly know more about this than I do, but, but Salesforce has done a lot of really interesting things. Uh, we had Rob on the show uh, kind of talking about this a little bit. So they have Einstein as their machine learning platform, and weaving that into the platform previously known as Demandware uh, is pretty interesting and I think uh, very indicative of what we're going to see here um, as this goes even deeper. So I'm giving myself a yes on this one. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think you nailed it that the 
the vendors were all embracing it. And I, you know, I think there's a range. Everyone did embrace it. Exactly. As you said, the, the big vendors, I think we're all in with like a huge amount of effort. And then I think the long tail vendors, uh, certainly added machine learning to their marketing if nothing else. So I, I, I certainly think you, you nailed it there. I, I'm not sure there was ubiquitous progress in terms of the actual retailers and customers embracing all those vendor solutions in, in 2017. But, but in fairness to you, that's not what you predicted. Yeah. And these separate data silos you talk about, um, it's gonna be a problem, you know? So if you don't have the single view of the customer, machine learning can't really get its, you know, heft going because it's only going to see little pieces of what's happening there. So, so that, that's going to be an impediment to some of these advanced technologies with the traditional omni-channel multi-data siloed retailer. Yep. Yep. Uh, so then your fourth prediction, um, was one, I think we we're all rooting for, uh, we're going to see e-commerce growth accelerate materially in 2017. And so you were saying, uh, Hey, it's been, uh, at 15% the last couple of years, We'll see it move up uh, the second half of 2016 into the high teens, and we we could even see the 20 percent in 2017. Yeah, the uh, what I learned about this one was I should have thought something that I would know by the time the next show rolled around. So we the jury's out on this one because we just don't know how the year ended up. Um, we're seeing data out of Mastercard, Comscore, and a couple of those folks that are pointing to high teens. You know, I'm seeing 18, 19 percent. Uh, the one data point I want to see is Amazon. I, I think it's pretty sure that Amazon's going to come in uh, north of 20%. But I think there's a shot. And um, Amazon came out with another press release just talking about the strength of Prime and you know 5 billion Prime things. And I, I don't know. They're, I've never seen Amazon kind of leaning into it like they are right now. So it makes me feel like maybe their Q4 came in more towards 30%. And that would make me feel a lot better that that if Amazon comes in kind of north of 25, then I think the whole holiday for everyone came in 20%. So, um, so I'm giving myself a yes based on the data available and kind of the body language coming out of Amazon right now. I, th- I think that's fair. Um, and so then your fifth prediction uh, was about eBay. And you, you basically said it was a big inflection year for eBay uh, uh, sort of do or die and that they could even potentially do a, a big partnership with someone like Alibaba. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't happen. So I guess it wasn't a do or die year. So, um, you know, on the negative side, they lost Hal Lawton, who, who was a great leader there, um, friend of both of ours. He's over at Macy's now. So that was a win for Macy's. Um, but, you know, no company is one person. So eBay is doing a lot of great things. They're getting more structured data from sellers. Their, uh, their motor category t- is, you know, continues to do well. Um, they're improving their relationships with sellers. They're improving buyer programs. They're implementing a Prime-like program. So they're doing a lot of good stuff. It just seems like when you when you look at this kind of battle of titans that goes on there and you've got – you know, the, the Googles, the Amazons, the Walmarts, those guys just have so many resources compared to eBay. Now eBay is kind of small in that world. Uh, it just feels like they'd have more leverage as part of something else, but I called it wrong. So I'm going to give myself a big fat zero on that one. Fair enough. Uh, and then your bonus prediction was, uh, awesomely bold. Um, Amazon will release another phone. Yeah, this is a fail. I, I kind of thought it would be interesting to have, you know, now that they have Alexa to swing back and visit the phone and make it a kind of, uh, you know, uh, an Alexa-oriented phone. Uh, they didn't do it, so I was wrong. 
Uh, I like the prediction, nevertheless. Uh, and if I'm doing my math right, that puts you also at about two and a half uh, out of five. So we sort of uh, sort of both uh, finished the same. I don't want to say tied because it wasn't a contest. Yeah, but together we had 100%. I like it. <laughs> Boom. That's why people listen to the show. Yeah. Uh, but enough about the past. Let's talk about what's going to happen in 2018. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so I had some predictions to walk us through here. So first of all, I, I'm reading a lot of articles that say, uh, retail's on the upswing and everything's great. Um, you know, that happens every Q4 and I think it's going to be short lived. I think we're going to see Mulligan 2.0 this year. Last year we saw 7,000 stores close and I think there's going to be more than that that closed this year. So I'm saying, you know, I, I still think there's 30 to 40% malls out there that are very weak and failing. Um, and I'm going to say the store closure goes up. And I just kind of picked a number because I learned to be more specific <laughs> from last year's predictions. I'm going to say we have 9,000 or higher closures uh, by the end of 2018. So uh, it will be an even worse year than 2017. Uh, I, I get a lot of tweets from these kinds of predictions. I, I don't want this to happen. I want, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want stores to be open, but I just think it's the reality that things are going to get a little bit worse in the, the physical store world, especially malls before they get better. I do think, uh, this is not an official prediction, but I think, you know, 2018 will probably be the low point and then we'll, we'll come back out of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to pile on your prediction and just say, um, that, both are true. Like retail could do better in 2018. We have so many stores in the U.S. that 9,000 stores could close and retail sales could still go up. So so the, the two aren't necessarily completely related, but, but for sure, it seems like there's still a bunch of vulnerable malls and vulnerable department stores. And it, it frankly, it wouldn't surprise me if this is the year we see Sears close its doors. Absolutely. Yep. The, uh, the second one, and this was kind of... Uh, I was going to make this anyway, but today uh, in the press, uh, a friend of ours, Gene Munster, was out saying, hey, uh, I think Amazon's going to buy Target. And, and he had kind of some interesting reasons behind that. Uh, Scott Galloway has been kind of pounding his chest that they're going to buy either Macy's or Nordstrom's or something like that. Uh, I'm going to go out and say I think Amazon's plate is full with Whole Foods. They did that very specifically for grocery, and they're not going to buy another on online retailer of size. Um, I think they'll still open their own bookstores. We'll probably see some more of those grocery go kind of things and that kind of thing. But I just don't see them buying another brick and mortar retailer. Um, and kind of along with that, I think that they had huge success with private label and they're going to triple down on that. So, uh, kind of a double Amazon prediction there. Nice. I like it. I like you being contrarian. Um, all right. Number three for me is I'm going to go back to my Amazon logistics prediction because I think this is inevitable uh, because of the, you know, when you chart this out, the lines have to cross at some point. At some point, the number of packages to, to be delivered, even by Amazon alone, exceed the capacity to be delivered out there. Um, Amazon, I'm sure, is aware of that. And, you know, if I'm them, I'm, I'm kind of planning for that eventuality. So, so again, I think that in 2018 that um, – you know, that they are going to essentially do a lot more with last mile and effectively compete with FedEx and UPS, certainly for their own packages and maybe for others. 
Number four. Uh, so uh, on this one, we haven't talked about Walmart in the predictions, so I wanted to throw something in there for them. I, I think I think Mark Laurie is not done. You know, I think they've done a lot there, um, and I think he is just starting to get swinging. And you know, I think the Walmart. Wall Street likes this kind of really aggressive posture that they've adopted, and I think that gives them a lot of flexibility. So as I kind of think, well, what's what's next on his plate? I think they do a big M&A, and um, you know, part of me, you would know better than me, I, you know, groceries interesting. I, I don't think they buy another grocery store, though, so I was kind of thinking what would it look like. It would be interesting if they bought like Trader Joe's or something, but I don't think that's acquirable because it's owned by that huge European conglomerate. Oh, yep. Yeah. So, so then I was kind of like, well, then the next possible candidates would be like, um, you know, now that Target is bought shipped, I could see Walmart taking out Instacart or Postmates. Um, and then eBay is still kind of out there and I think would be very powerful, um, as you know, a marketplace partner for Walmart. Um, so I kind of put them in that bucket as well. Cool. Cool. Then, uh, any comments on that one? Uh, no, I mean, I, again, I, I feel like they've been rewarded for all the acquisitions that they made in the last 18 months. So they're probably emboldened. So I, I, I would certainly be surprised to not see some acquisition activity in, in, uh, 2018. Um, your, your predictions seem to be around, uh, capability and infrastructure, which could totally be a lot of their acquisitions thus far have been, actual brands and so it'll yeah. it just it, that'll that'll be interesting to see how that you know where where the focus is in 2018 and i suspect it could be opportunistic as much as strategic in terms of who's available at the right price yeah and it kind of ties back to last year's casper thing um you know that's a nice scaled up brand that uh, once it starts down the ipo path you have kind of this one-time shot to go buy them i think that's probably why chewy got taken out i think they were kind of it's called dual pathing when you start filing for an ipo and having m a talks so that could i'll throw that one in there too casper could be a, a candidate um okay uh my fifth uh prediction here is uh and i'm kind of getting into your world a little bit just because i wanted to see a reaction more than anything uh so i'm not a big platform guy but you know the one platform that seems kind of out there alone is magento so they were part of ebay they spun out they have private equity so that means the talk the clock is ticking um it's a great platform uh i think that they kind of do this dual path that they start down the going public and then uh they probably get acquired uh i'm not sure who acquires them uh, seems like maybe uh a lot of the cloud guy a lot of the big guys have their cloud solution nailed at this point maybe oracle maybe sap maybe ibm uh, i just don't know you you have more insight into who the possible acquirer is uh, and since i learned to be less specific i'm not going to be specific on an acquirer so i think i think magento kind of gets added into a larger cloud offering interesting uh yeah so it it was a weird year uh, in platforms as far as I'm concerned. Like for a long time, you had a lot of retailers that had no platform. And so, you know, every year a bunch of retailers were buying a platform to start selling direct um, uh, or to sell digitally. And so you had a lot of platform sales every year. Or you had a bunch of retailers that had invested early and were in some outdated platform. And so, there were, you know, every, every like three to five years, retailers were replatforming as the technology got dramatically better. And so you, you ended up with these three huge enterprises, SAP, IBM, and Oracle, um, 
that were, you know, making a fortune on all these replatformings. You had Demandware now owned by Salesforce as the big cloud one. Um, for a long time, Magento dominated the long tail. And then, you know, more recently, Shopify is sort of a cloud SaaS version of, of the long tail has, has emerged. And of course, there's a lot of other platforms. But what was weird about 2017 is um, none of the enterprise ones did particularly well. I feel like the pace of replatforming dramatically slowed down. You're hard-pressed to find someone that doesn't already have a platform, so there's less new customers entering the market, so it's more replatforming. And it feels like people sort of come to the realization that you don't dramatically get better customer experiences just by replatforming. And so it seems like a lot more people just invested in new tools or new plugins or new customer experiences for their existing platforms rather than replatforming. And I feel like that was an economic challenge for all these big companies that were used to a lot of expensive replatformings happening every year. And then you add insult to injury, uh, they're able to charge a lot more um, or or certainly recognize a lot more revenue for selling a big, expensive on-prem perpetual software license than they are um, for selling a, a, a SaaS service. And so I think all of the big guys had this double whammy of, the economic model shifted that wasn't favorable in terms of a gap reporting and the customer slowed down. And so that, in my mind, in a way, that puts those those kind of legacy guys that might have snapped up Magento for their customer base in less of an acquisition posture. Um, so pers- I would personally be a little surprised if one of those big three snaps up Magento. Magento still is an interesting asset in that they have tons of users uh, in some ways, they're a more modern platform than some, a lot of the other ones we talked about because they have kind of re-architected more recently. Um, they're, they're maybe a step closer to cloud than some of these other guys, but they're not pure cloud. They're a step closer to microservices, but they're not pure microservices. So they're, I don't know, they're, they're an interesting asset. They've got a bunch of users. Um, they're maybe a half step more modern. Um, and And so, you know, could... Could someone want to accelerate their own plans by by uh, acquiring what Magento has? Uh, you you could totally see it, but it definitely isn't uh, a slam dunk. Okay, cool. And then uh, so that's my main five, and then my bonus. And this is really um, because I want it to be true, and I know Jeff Bezos listens to the show, so I have AirPods, which I I really like but the Siri on them really stinks. So what I want is Amazon to come out with Alexa-powered wireless earbuds, uh, kind of an, an AirPod competitor, but with Alexa, um, because I just want to sit there and have a conversation with Alexa while I have little white things in my ears uh, or whatever color. They'll probably be black or something. So um, so my prediction is that Amazon will come out with that in 2018, and I have my fingers and toes crossed. I like it. Um, the other way that could happen is – Amazon and Apple could just merge. I, I don't think either could acquire the other. Um, so, so they could just merge, and then they could put they could replace Siri with Alexa, and then the AirPods, which to your point are great hardware, could just have Alexa, and the world would be a happy place. I think my prediction is more likely than yours, but I encourage you to make your prediction in your section. No, 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 no. I'm leaving that one firmly in your section. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's run down my five. Um, 
So we, we talked a little bit about grocery. Uh, it was a prediction that, that they would wake up to digital last year. I think this is the year that they totally get disrupted by digital. Um, and I think the thing that's going to mainly drive that is curbside pickup. Um, so I actually think that digital grocery revenue is going to double in 2018 over 2017. Um, we're going to see a bunch of retailers uh, roll out a lot more capability to take digital orders for grocery. Um and I, I think some of these delivery services could be the odd man out. Uh, a lot of people have invested in building these delivery services like Instacart. Um, and I actually think if if uh, we see huge momentum for curbside pickup, that we could see, you know, at least one of those delivery services get distressed and have to do some kind of disadvantaged uh, transaction. And that I, that that could include Instacart as far as I'm concerned. Um, so that's my first prediction, uh, is a lot more of us will be shopping for our groceries, uh, digitally in 2018. And you think curbside, not, not full on delivery? Yeah. I mean, I think there's some rich, rich neighborhoods, uh, that are highly dense that the delivery will make a lot of sense. Um, and you know, that might disproportionately be people that listen to this show, but I think for the average American, it's going to be picking up your groceries on your way home from soccer practice. Um, I think that's a, a winning experience. It's 1% of sales in the U S it's 6% of sales in the UK. It's like 12% of sales in South Korea. Um, and I, I think the early pilots have all been so successful in the U S that we're just going to see, see rapid adoption. Um, which by the way is going to mean that, that retailers like Kroger and Walmart are going to report, uh, much higher than industry average e-commerce sales in 28 or growth in 2018, because, they're they're the guys that are going to most benefit from from this grocery disruption. I think in Amazon's case, it means we're going to see Amazon roll out some kind of national capability for curbside pickup, whether that means leveraging Whole Foods or building more of the Amazon Fresh Pickup locations or acquiring some other other business um that opportunistically that's you know distressed and that that amazon can get a really good deal on to give them more of these pickup depot locations cool what's number two number two is uh, after grocery gets disrupted uh pharmacy slash prescription drugs are going to get disrupted by digital in in uh, 2018 um so we've we've uh, seen some some early moves from Amazon uh, that they might be getting into far, uh, medical equipment. Um, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Amazon is the big drug disruptor in 2018. Um, I know you predicted that they wouldn't do a, a retail acquisition in 2018. Um, I, well, I kind of agree that they're probably not strategically looking to acquire another big retailer. I think oper- Amazon has a lot of cash and they're totally opportunistic. So if the right deal fell into their laps, I think they would do it. Um, and I actually think digital could so distress the drug business that the drug uh, retailers become uh, a, a very uh, economical acquisition or we could see some of the drug guys move out of the retail business and into the the insurance business more and then just want to spin off the retail and sell it cheap. Um, but here's the thing to know about drug. Uh, 60% of all their sales are traffic that came in to fulfill a prescription. So if consumers start fulfilling their prescriptions via mail at home um, or ordering stuff online and having it delivered to home, 
uh, then those retail stores don't work. There's not enough traffic in there to drive them. Uh, they're, they're not price competitive. They tend to sell stuff at full pop retail, um, and there's too many of them. So you add all that up, and it would not take a huge amount of digital success to totally disrupt the drug business. And then you got the fact that the scariest business, uh, retailer in the world, Amazon, is, is looking pretty carefully at the space. And I think one way or another, it's a safe bet that drug gets heavily disrupted in 2018. Cool. That could help me with my uh, 9,000 stores I need. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I also think just the changes in the insurance uh, uh, industries in the U.S. and the, and government healthcare and all those other things are, are potentially favorable. Consumers are learning that you have to shop for prices on your prescription meds just like you do, you know, any any other consumer expense. And I think that that's going to uh, further open the door for this. So so uh, hopefully it does help you out. Um, so my third prediction uh, is that the you, uh, what I'm calling the the machine learning gap um, is going to be the biggest trend for 2018. So you already said you know predicted last year that all the vendors would embrace machine learning in a big way. I think that totally happened. Um, I mentioned I didn't think a lot of retailers had necessarily uh, fully embraced machine learning in in 2017. I think there are only a few examples. In 2018, I think we're going to see some retailers dramatically uh, embrace machine learning, and we're going to see a bunch of other retailers not embrace it, just not have the resources or just, you know, be superficial and, you know, pay lip service or buy some some small product that leverages it. And so I think we're going to see a big gap. I think we're going to see some retailers that are really good at machine learning and have uh, have um, built it into their culture and are breaking down all those data silos, and they're just looking for every opportunity to train algorithms with all this customer data and use it to deliver way better customer experiences. And we're going to see a bunch of other retailers that either don't do anything or are very superficial. And I think we're going to see a big gap in customer experiences between those two camps. Um, and I, I think, you know, obviously the the folks that embrace machine learning are going to be well positioned for the future and the slower adopters are going to get left behind. Okay. I don't know how we'll measure that exactly. Uh, yeah. So number four uh, is voice. Uh, I get asked about voice all the time. I get asked to speak about uh, natural language processing and voice commerce. Um, I actually think 2018 is going to be a huge year for voice. I go to CES this weekend. I'm expecting we're going to see way more voice interfaces than ever before. Um, And I do think there's going to be a lot more adoption of them in 2018 than there has been so far, which I think 2017 was a big year. Um, but I actually don't think that a very big use case for all of these voice interfaces is going to be commerce. So my, my prediction is uh, voice continues to be a big deal for, for uh, interfaces, uh, for home automation, for stuff like that, but that it's not going to be a big use case for ordering products. And the one exception to that is going to be the sort of um, auto replenishment and using using voice to add things to your auto replenishment list and kind of pause your list and modify it and do those kind of things. So I think with the exception of that one category where you're, you're adjusting your consumable orders, um, I, I think voice is overhyped for commerce. Is that a Debbie Downer for you? Um, you're such a voice guy. I'm still processing it. I'm, uh, I'm in shock. I do like the sound of my own voice. That is true. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then my, my fifth, uh, it wouldn't be a Jason and Scott prediction show if I didn't talk about payments. Um, 
So there's a big trend towards every retailer launching their own digital wallets. Uh, Target is launching a digital wallet right now. Um, and my big prediction is none of these retail branded digital wallets are going to work. I think there's only room in the world, uh, the North American market for three digital wallets. And I think that's going to be Starbucks, Walmart, Amazon. Um, so I don't think other retailers are, are going down the right path by, by trying to implement that. Um, and, uh, I would uh, heavily uh, advise folks to to uh, or I wouldn't advise anyone now that I think about it. But I think Bitcoin is going to tank this year. So I know there's been a lot of buzz and hype about Bitcoin. Uh, super optimistic about blockchain and cyber cyber currencies in general. But I just I don't think Bitcoin is going to be uh, the viable currency to to emerge out of all this. The okay so. Um does that include blockchain and other coins or, or just Bitcoin? Uh, yeah. So I'm, uh, I don't think we're going to see a legal currency um, that's a cyber currency in 2018. I think we're going to see blockchain becoming a super important technology for uh, storing value, for, uh, for uh, frankly, sharing a lot of uh, data and doing interesting things in a lot of industries. So I, I certainly think blockchain is a super important and valuable uh, technology, but I don't think we're going to see a, a branded currency emerge as a meaningful competitor to to dollars in in uh, 2018. And I think Bitcoin is going to be considerably less valuable on December 31st than it was on December 31st of this year. It's too bad you didn't make that prediction last year. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a that's a good. I'll inject. Uh, we've had many listeners ask uh, for a deep dive on crypto and blockchain, uh, and that is on our list for 2018. So we plan on doing a deep dive on that. Just so I, I do think, and Jason, I'm sure you agree. I think it's important for folks in retail and e-commerce to have a pretty you know basic understanding of this technology and especially the blockchain because I, I do think it's going to be one of those things that. Um, it, it, there is reality there and it survives the hype and is pretty interesting that everyone should track. Totally. I'm looking forward to that show. Um, and then I did also do a bonus and I arguably we have the same bonus prediction. Um, so I, I tried not to overlap with you on any of the, uh, our regular predictions, but I'm, I, I feel like I'm in comfortable space on the bonus. I wisely decided to make my version slightly broader than yours. So I have a better chance of being right. Um, I think we see Amazon launch some kind of wearable in uh, 2018. And so I, the earbuds is a, a, a total um, good guess, but some other kind of wearable speaker, I, I think some way to take uh, the, the um, Alexa technology with you um, is, is something that Amazon's going to figure out how to offer in 2018. Cool. I hope you're right. And I hope it's uh, earbuds. <laughs> uh yeah we we shall have to see that is the beauty tune in uh, episode 211 um but uh scott uh that is all the time we allotted for tonight's show we're trying to get the shows a little shorter in 2018 so we'll uh, i predict we're only moderately successful at that um <laughs> But uh, super appreciate everyone listening. Um, we will put all these predictions in the show notes so that they're they're memorialized and you can make fun of us if they're dramatically wrong at the end of 2018. Um, if you have any thoughts about any of these predictions, we'd love for you to jump on Facebook and share your thoughts. And if you enjoy the, our show and enjoy this episode, we certainly would appreciate that five-star review 
on iTunes. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Have a great 2018. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.